listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Saints fans? Welcome to another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. I'm your host, Chris Vogel, and this episode is sponsored by Ornitos Tequila. Here's to the shot takers, the ones who, like us, believe nothing great ever happens if you don't take a chance because that's hashtag a shot worth taking. Ornitos Tequila, the proud sponsor of the Straight Up Saints podcast. And for the first time since January, we have a recap episode. We have a chance to talk about what happened, what went well, what went pretty poor. And there's a lot to digest. Obviously, you'll see the rundown on the left of the screen. And we're going to talk about everything possible with the Saints preseason opener. And obviously, the first thing you guys want to talk about is the quarterback battle. But I'm going to leave that for a little bit because I kind of have a lot to digest about what we did see, what we didn't see from those two guys. So obviously, dive into those in just a little bit. But the first thing I really want to talk about is the main takeaways. I mean... This is a game that really was a defensive battle. Anyone who thinks otherwise, I, I really don't know what to tell you. I mean, we sat there for three hours just watching nonstop, you know, third down stops and, and fourth down turnover on downs and just a total mess at some points. It kind of just looked like your first preseason football game where everything was out of the loop. But the thing that really stood out to me, and I could sit here and rant about the offense struggling at times, I actually took it from the other way. And, and I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself, but... My main takeaway coming out of this game was, wow, this, you know, this defense actually looked pretty impressive for a defense that didn't have Marshawn Lattimore, Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams, Cam Jordan, Demario Davis. You don't have your best guys, and it makes sense to sit them in the preseason opener. Why would you even want to risk an injury in that game? And yet your defense comes out looking exceptional at times, especially guys who we expect to see this year, like Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata. And then the man of the hour, Zach Bond, who I'll talk about in just a little bit because I think he deserves a little bit more than just a subhead. But there was really a lot of standout performances from this defense. And one thing that I saw Saints fans talk about, and I'm going to give him a little bit of love right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast, is Paulson Adebo. There was a guy you know, who everyone had their eyes on because, hey, can he be the secondary cornerback? Or, hey, can he at least look like a competent rookie? Well, Baltimore tested him early and Baltimore tested him often. And I saw a guy who was resilient, a cornerback who is not really afraid of the moment and a cornerback who has short-term memory. And that's the best type of corner. You can't play cornerback in the national football league. If you don't have short-term memory, because if you get beat one play, you got to think to yourself, you won that rep and you got to come back at the very next snap and do your thing. And that's what Paulson Adebo did. So I thought Adebo was actually really impressive. Was there a on, you know, a quote unquote controversial non PI in the end zone in the first half. Sure. But you know what? Like the broadcaster said, if that's not PI, that's a great play. And if it is PI, all right, whatever, you know, shit happens. But I thought Adebo actually looked really impressive. I'm not ready to stamp, you know, cornerback two on Adebo yet, but this is a player who I'm saying, all right, in a couple of weeks from now, maybe a month from now, can he be your guy opposite of Marshawn Lattimore? And he has all the tools. Now it's about kind of refining those skills and putting it all together. But he looked really impressive. And I know Saints fans absolutely loved what Paulson Adebo did last night. And I don't blame you. And while we're at it, while I'm giving him his credit, how about him making a play on special teams? That is something that will absolutely help you get on the field. And it isn't about making the roster. Debo will make this roster, no doubt. What other things can you do to get on the field while you work your way up as a corner? And Adebo showed a lot there. So I was really impressed with him. But all of the, you know, good things that we saw on defense, and there was a lot, the offense was just brutal. It was ugly to say the least six turnovers. And I guess the one thing I could say is it's a good thing it happened in the preseason, not in the all in the uh, regular season. But man, 
this offense was just brutal. Three fumbles, three interceptions, every single cornerback threw a pick. So you can't even say, well, one guy looked better than the other, although I'll talk about that in a little bit. All three had an interception. Basically, every single running back that touched the field had a fumble, which was really unfortunate because I'll talk about Tony Jones Jr. in just a bit, but he was a very, very impressive back for the most part of Saturday's game. And then the wide receiver group, which I'll talk about in a little bit. I'm ready to port Marquez Callaway on ice. I don't know about you guys, but I think Marquez looks ready to go for week one. Rest of the receiving corps, I'm going to hold my concerns for a later moment in this show, but Marquez Callaway really stood out to me. And a guy who doesn't get as as much love, I should say, as everyone else is Cesar Ruiz. And I know he wasn't playing the whole game, and it's tough to kind of look at the offensive line and be like, oh, wow, I thought Cesar Ruiz looked fantastic. But guys, he played with a lot of strength, especially from his lower body, which is something that I thought he struggled with last year. That is something that people said he worked on in the offseason. And at least through one game in the preseason, I thought he looked exceptionally well. So I really like what I saw from Cesar Ruiz. Can that carry over? If it does, obviously, this just fortifies what is already a top five offensive line and then can take it to the next step. So I want to give Cesar Ruiz his props. And before I get into Zach Bond, a guy who you're putting up on the screen, I'm going to give him his love right here is Marcus Davenport. Marcus Davenport, for me, you know how I feel about the whole situation. I've stated several times on this podcast, it is really frustrating that Marcus Davenport has not been able to be healthy and kind of show what he's shown at times for a full length of the season. There are spurts where Marcus Davenport looks really good, and there's sports, uh, spurts where he looks like he didn't even play, and you're like, hey, you know what? We didn't get much out of number 92. Well, last night, was a culmination of what we've heard throughout training camp, that Marcus Davenport looks fresh, Marcus Davenport looks ready to go, and now the question is, can Marcus Davenport take what he did yesterday and replicate that throughout the season? And if he can, this could be the year for number 92, and I'm not going to sit here and just get everyone's hopes up because we've kind of done this whole song and dance for the last two years now, but it was a really encouraging start. I'd rather him make plays in the preseason than make none at all, so I really, really, really liked what I saw from Davenport. For them asking, what are your thoughts on Debo? I kind of stated before, I actually thought Debo looked really good for a rookie cornerback getting tested often in his first game against actual opponents, not the Saints. I thought he looked really good. Um, I think there's still a lot of things that Debo needs to work on. He got a little handsy. That can cost you in games with PIs, but I really thought Debo at times looked like he belongs, and that's what you want from a rookie cornerback. Do you look like you can belong? Kind of like Lattimore did in his rookie year, obviously not as good to that extent, but Adebo really looked like he's here to stay, and I'm very excited. I'm also excited to see what he does in other games because the Ravens receiving corps really isn't that lethal. So what does he do against better opposition? I'm really excited, but I thought he was an excellent tackler in short spaces. I thought he had great resiliency. He made a couple of good plays down the field. So I liked what we saw from Adebo, and I'm really excited to see what's to come for him. But the guy that I really want to talk about at least for a minute or two is Zach Bond because when the Saints traded up to get Zach Bond last year, a lot of us were like, man, I'm excited to see where this Wisconsin kid's going to play in the defense. And guess what? He didn't play at all. I mean, the only play he really made was a couple of special teams tackles here and there. And we kind of just had to grasp at straws and say, okay, well, that's that's something that we could look at. We really like that play from Zach Bond. And we're basically just nitpicking two to three plays from last season. Well, we had about like six to seven plays in the first half alone of last night's game where Zach Bond looked like a completely different player. And the Saints want to make him an off-ball linebacker. A lot of us, including myself, kind of questioned it because he showed at Wisconsin that he could really get after the quarterback. But man, Zach Bond's versatility was on display yesterday. You're talking about a guy who showed sideline to sideline range, a player who can get after the quarterback when used as a blitzer, which he had a really good pass deflection on one in the first quarter against Trace McSorley, and a player who 
man, the energy was there. I mean, Zach Bond was hitting. He was bringing the hammer every single play. And if you want to be a guy who's going to get legitimate snaps throughout the regular season, you got to play the way Zach Bond did last night. And he was so impressive that our favorite Saints reporters, whether it's Mike Tripwit, Nick Underhill, can be any of them, are basically saying, man, we know Zach Bond's looked good in practice, but he hasn't looked that good. And that's really, really encouraging because maybe that preseason game, the, the chance to actually lay the boom on your opposition is something that's going to just bring out that extra level, that extra energy from Zach Bond. So I actually named him our Boot Crew Media slash Ornitos player of the game, which I'm going to do for every game, regardless of win or loss. And I thought that was really an impressive performance from Zach Bond. And especially with Pete Warner injured and Quan Alexander kind of in that questionable territory as to when he'll be ready. If Zach Bond's ready to go, this is not only a plus for this season, this is a plus for the future because that's a young linebacker who you could potentially groom into an impact player. So I was really, really pleased with that performance from Zach Bond, and that's why I had to give him player of the game. I just thought what he did with the seven total tackles, one tackle for loss, and the uh, the pass deflection, I just thought he was the no-brainer for me with the way he played. So that is a big thing, guys. Linebacker depth, something the Saints haven't had. They have it this year, and they actually have it in abundance, which is something nuts to me. Uh, but I'm going to actually talk about the linebacker group in a little bit. As for who do the Saints play next and when, they're actually playing the Jaguars Monday, August 23rd. That's going to be their second preseason game. That should be a really fun one. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central time. Should be actually really good um, to see what goes down there. Do you agree it's going to be hard not to have Tony Jones on the, on the team? He looked good. I'm actually going to talk about Tony Jones Jr. in a little bit. I thought he was really impressive. Minus the fumble, I think the fumble definitely hurts, but I'll talk about whether or not I think it's going to break his roster chances in just a little bit. What I want to get to now is something that, man, Twitter was talking about all night yesterday, and I don't blame them. It's the quarterback position for the New Orleans Saints because that's uncertainty. Is it Taysom Hill? Is it Jameis Winston? That's what we want to know. And I'm going to talk about those two, and I'll also talk about Ian Book because that was his first NFL game, and we saw some good and bad from the rookie, so I'll talk about that as well. But let's talk about Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill came out of the gates on fire. Like, I really thought it was one of the more impressive drives I've seen from Taysom Hill. He had Callaway for three different times for about 60-something yards or 61 yards on the first drive. And I thought, man, Taysom Hill looked really good. And, and this, if he's going to win the starting quarterback job, this is what he's going to have to do. And then that drive ends in a Latavius Murray fumble, which is, un, un, you know, not ideal at all. But it is what it is because when you finish that drive, what was the main takeaway? Yes, the fumble was bad, but it's a preseason, so you don't really hang your hat on it too much. And then you just think about the smart, quick decision that Taysom Hill made. Well, those all went out the window the very next drive. I mean, it was just not good. And then the interception is a debatable one. Was it him saying, all right, was it a miscommunication with Montgomery? Did Montgomery stop on his route? Did Taysom Hill not know where he really wanted to throw that ball and that was a mistake? There's a lot of options. What I saw for me after first, you know, after the second time reviewing it over, it kind of looked like Montgomery stopped and Taysom Hill wanted him to kind of run his route a little bit wider. And that's where you're going to get miscommunication. And that really can happen because that's a turnover that could really swing a game in the regular season. So that was unfortunate, but it wasn't his worst throw of the night. His worst play of the night was actually a near interception that should have been an interception when he was targeting Marquez Callaway and he kind of left that ball inside. And it really should have been on the outside because Callaway had his man beat and he got lucky that the corner dropped it. So I thought Taysom Hill had some good throws on third down. I thought Taysom Hill had some sharp throws downfield. But again, it's kind of the same thing, and I know he didn't play a lot of time on the field, but it's kind of what we saw in the four-game spurt. I mean, it's some moments of sharp decisions, some where he's not getting the ball quick enough. His scrambling ability, it's so weird to me because Taysom Hill really is an exceptional athlete, guys. I know you guys know that, 
but his scrambling ability is just not there. And it really, really confuses the heck out of me. I just don't know why a guy that athletic, that versatile, especially when he's used strictly as a runner, can't scramble well. That just really confuses me. So I want to see if he can get better at that part of the game. But I think Taysom needs to be a little bit faster with his decisions, which he showed at times. He needs to avoid the rush. You can't take about a 10-yard sack with Patrick Queen on third down. That can't happen. And he needs to be a little bit more careful with the football. I know a lot of us, you know, harp on Jameis Winston not taking care of the football. Taysom Hill's got to do the same too. I mean, we got to say one, what we say for one, we should do for the other. So that what Taysom Hill's whole day as a whole, I thought it was okay. I thought there was good moments. I thought there was definitely some bad moments and it really didn't change enough for the quarterback battle. And luckily for Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston's night pretty much ended with an interception that is another one where it's okay. That's not the best throw I've seen from Jameis Winston, but it's also not the worst throw I've seen from Jameis Winston. And it's a pick that, hey, if he throws it to a Michael Thomas, if and when he's healthy, that ball gets caught. When you throw it a little Jordan Humphrey, yeah, that ball's probably not going to get caught. So I actually didn't mind Jameis Winston's interception. I actually thought it was a, a decent throw. If he throws it too inside, it could get picked by the safety. If he throws it too outside, he might miss the mark. The ball's about an inch or two away from being a long completion down the field. So Jameis Winston, if it wasn't for a you know a ball that gets batted up pretty much, he probably has a clean sheet for yesterday. And, and I actually thought Jameis, at times, made some strong throws down the field. Now, I know a lot of people talked about how the pocket was perfect when he made those throws. Sure, but the Saints have such a good O-line that there's going to be a lot of perfect pockets this year. So still got to make the damn play. And I thought Jameis Winston did a good job of that. And I also think the one thing that Jameis showed me that was pretty impressive was the two-minute, the hurry-up offense. That's one of my concerns with Taysom Hill. We didn't see that last year, at least. At least I know Jameis Winston run that because of his you know history with Florida State, with uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I feel a little bit comfortable with that. And as for the pick, guys, I can live with that interception every single day of the week. I, I'm, I Look, we don't want picks. We don't care if it's Taysom Hill, Ian Book, Jameis Winston, Trevor Simeon. We don't want picks. But you can live with the shot downfield that is about an inch or two away from being a huge play compared to the picks that Jameis Winston used to throw with Tampa Bay, and we'll see if he still does it here in New Orleans, where it was just a head-scratching throw. And you said, I don't know what he saw, but that man wasn't open. Or how did he see the linebacker underneath? Or how did he not see the double coverage? Things of that nature. Those are the interceptions you can't live with. But man, I was not discouraged by what I saw from Jameis Winston. I need, I need to see more, but I was not discouraged from Jameis Winston. And I, I kind of agree, the Saints don't want to risk injury. And that's and that's a thing for preseason for any team across the board. You don't want your guys getting hurt in a meaningless football game. So you're not going to play them a lot. But when you have a quarterback battle like this, man, you wish you could see a little bit more. And maybe that changes. Remember, we still got two more preseason games for the Saints to see what they have in Taysom Hill, to see what they have in Jameis Winston. So I'm very intrigued to see what happens there. But I, I kind of think they didn't do anything really to separate each other. I'll give you my lean in just a second. But man, I was looking at this and I said, all right, if they were 50-50 going into the game, are they 51-49, 52-48? Like, I didn't see much separation at all. That being said, I'm not going to go on this podcast and not give you guys my early lean. And my early lean is I think Jameis Winston looked a little bit better than Taysom Hill. And that doesn't mean he's going to be the starter. It doesn't mean he's going to win the job. But at least that's where I'm leaning as of August 15th, this morning, on a beautiful Sunday. That's where I'm leaning. I'm leaning a little bit Jameis Winston, but man, it is the slightest, the slightest of leans right now. So we'll see what happens, obviously, uh, as the preseason progresses. Another quarterback that got his shine was Ian Book. I mean, Ian Book got a chance, more than Winston, more than Hill, to play extended snaps. He actually had the most snaps out of all three quarterbacks. 
And Ian Book, you guys know I tweet about him often. I want to see what they have in the rookie. Obviously, he's not going to play this year. And if he does, then probably catastrophic circumstances made that happen. But Ian Book had some good moments. And the thing that he showed, which is something that reporters have been saying we've seen in camp, his composure. He doesn't look rattled when the pressure's on him. And I think that's a good thing for Ian Book. Now, Ian Book's two-minute drill, it ended with a poorly thrown ball that was picked off by Sean Wade. And that is not what you want at all. But I did think Ian Book had some moments where, all right, we saw some good from the rookie. He needs to get better. I think he gets the ball out quick, which is a good thing. And I think he does a good job of making plays on the run. The one thing I want to see from Ian Book, and we didn't really get to see it yesterday, what happens with clean pockets? He actually faced more pressure, I think, than Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. I mean, the pocket just wasn't there. And look, that's what happens when you have your third string offensive lineman in. So I was okay with Ian Book's performance. I know a lot of people harped on him, but it's his first NFL action. He is not even close to finished product. We don't even know what his finished product will look like. So I was, I would say, cautiously optimistic that he made some nice plays on the run and gets the ball out quick. But we need to see more from Ian Book, obviously, if he's going to eventually, and not this year, maybe two years from now, a year from now, have a chance to compete for a starting job. He would need to get much better, obviously, and make more splash plays because he really didn't do that um, on Saturday night. And yeah, I agree. Look, Winston absolutely has the strongest arm. If you're looking at this quarterback group, who is the best thrower of the football? And I know people hate that term, but the best thrower of the football, without a doubt in my mind, is Jameis Winston. He was the number one pick for a reason. And as for accuracy, it's honestly funny because Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, especially last night, it was pretty much the same stat line in terms of completion. You know, one was 8 of 12, one was 7 of 12. Winston was 7 of 12, uh, Hill was 8 of 12. I honestly think in terms of accuracy, there's not much splitting between Taysom and Jameis. I actually think because Jameis is willing to take a little bit more shots down the field, I think Taysom obviously will have a little bit better of a completion percentage. But my ac the accuracy is not a concern for me. In a Sean Payton offense, guys, I think we're going to see accurate quarterback play. It's kind of the splash plays if they can get him. That's big, which also comes into account with the turnovers. You can't have splash plays with a shit ton of turnovers. You need splash plays and taking care of the football. And whoever can do that will be fine. But both ended the night with a pick. Jameis did have two touchdown drives, which is great. So that really does help his cause. But I still need to see more. But I did think Jameis made some really nice throws down the football field. And I'm excited to kind of see what's next for Jameis Winston and obviously for Taysom Hill and even Ian Book. So Kind of moving away from the quarterback position, let's talk about players that impressed me, and I hope they impressed you guys too. And the first one's kind of the guy that I talked about before, so I'll keep it very simple. Zach Bond, year two. I'm ready to buy stock with Pete Warner injured, with Quan Alexander still recovering. This could be Zach Bond's moment to make an impact on the Saints roster. And if you guys didn't see Nick Underhill's post, I strongly suggest you go check it out. He showed how Zach Bond played against the bootleg yesterday, which is something a Saints defense has struggled for the last couple of years now, especially last year, Aaron Rodgers killed the defense with the bootleg. And guess who the Saints are playing week one? Aaron Rodgers. So Zach Bond could make an impact week one at this rate. So I'm really excited with what he did. And the second guy who I thought if he played the whole game, God knows what his stat line would look like, but he played that first drive to perfection, Marquez Callaway. I mean, this is a player who we know what he can do in healthy. Three catches, 61 yards. The preseason hype, the training camp hype, it looks warranted, guys. I thought Marquez Callaway looked really good. And what I took away from Marquez's performance, and I wonder if you guys actually thought the same, is when Michael Thomas does come back, because granted, regardless of all the rumors, it seems like they're starting to mend that relationship and he'll play at least this year with the New Orleans Saints. Marquez Callaway is a wide receiver too. Isn't bad at all. And if Marquez Callaway is your wide receiver too and Trey Quan's your wide receiver three and Deontay's your wide receiver four, a 
once thought of as really bad receiving corps, all of a sudden isn't too shabby. So I really liked what I saw from Callaway. Obviously, he needs to show more, and the pressure is going to be on for him to be wide receiver one for the first month of the season. And that's a lot of pressure, but I really did like what the second-year guy out of Tennessee had to show for us. And how about Tony Jones Jr.? You guys mentioned him before in the chat. I'll bring him up. I thought the Notre Dame running back looked outstanding for the exception of one big play, which is a fumble. But Tony Jones Jr., I thought, showed that he deserves to be on an NFL roster. Whether that whether or not that's the Saints roster, time will only tell that story. But I thought Tony Jones Jr. looked really good, guys. Seven carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. He looked athletic. He looked sharp. He was making quick decisions. His vision was excellent last night. And I think it's also worth noting that Tony Jones Jr. did some damage as a receiver when Ian Book was in the game, and the two were former teammates at Notre Dame. So to see them have that report did not uh, really shock me at all. But I was really impressed with Tony Jones Jr. I wish he didn't have that fumble, though, because if he didn't, you're looking at this game, and you're the Saints, you're saying it's going to be really damn hard to keep Tony Jones Jr. off this roster because he was our most explosive runner. Now, the good news for Tony Jones Jr. is he's got two more preseason games to do this thing. And if he can continue to put up those type of numbers in the preseason, if you're the Saints, I'm sorry. Tony Jones Jr. is getting priority over the over Devontae Freeman. And I have been for the Devontae Freeman signing, but you need running backs with juice. And right now, Tony Jones Jr. looks like he has the juice, more juice than Latavius, more juice than Devontae Freeman. It's Sunday. I'm just talking about juice. I had orange juice for breakfast. Let's just talk about this running back, man. This is a kid who looked really, really, really sharp. So I am really excited to see what Tony Jones Jr. can do in the next game. The fumble hurt a lot because you were going into the red zone. He made a great play prior to the fumble. So I really want to see what happens um, there for sure. And, and yeah, look, it would be hilarious and kind of like the Saints-esque story. If Freeman were to get cut, Tony Jones Jr. gets the job. And he also takes his uh, his number. That would be absolutely hilarious. But Tony Jones Jr., man, tip my cap to him. Another guy I want to tip my cap to, Caden Ellis. He's really been a special teamer for the Saints. Well, now he had a chance to show an extended role, what he could do as a linebacker. And I thought he looked really good against the run. And when you're in a battle with Hanson for that final linebacker spot, you need to make more plays than the other guy. And I thought he absolutely did that. So Caden Ellis, you want to make the 53-man roster, you got to do what you did yesterday, you got to do that Monday, and you got to do that for the preseason finale. So I really liked what I saw from Caden Ellis, the former seventh-round pick. And the last guy I'll give credit to, Juwan Johnson. How he's tied in four on the depth chart beats me. I have no freaking clue. But he made some really nice plays downfield. I know it was only two receptions for 71 yards, but that finished him as the Saints' leading receiver. And it also showed me something. If the Saints want to go back to four verts, which... Man, we haven't seen four verts in a while, and I know a lot of people want to see four verticals. Jawan Johnson can absolutely stretch the field from that tight end position for four verticals. So this is a player who, yeah, he probably isn't going to be your best blocker at tight end, and he's going to have to learn that part of the game. But as a receiver at the tight end position, this is what you want. And if you want to take some pressure off Adam Troutman, having a receiver play tight end, who has obviously bulked up a little bit this offseason, that can definitely take the pressure off. So Jawan Johnson... I see you. I hope you can see that more in the preseason. I hope he works his way up the depth chart, and I believe he will. But that was a good start for Juwan Johnson. If you want to move up that depth chart, you absolutely got to make plays downfield, and that's what he did on Saturday night. My biggest concern, though, because it's not all optimism here because the Saints still lost the game, and the Saints still have some concerns, wide receiver depth outside of Michael Thomas for now. And the reason I say that is, like I said before, if Marquez Callaway is your wide receiver too, I could live with that all day. Hell, I'll live with that every single week. 
However, he's probably your wide receiver one for the first month of the season. And that is a concern because if he's going up against the Jair Alexanders of the world, like he will for the season opener, that's going to be tough for him to beat that coverage. So what does that mean? Can other guys get open? Can Lil Jordan Humphrey create separation? Can Kawan Baker create separation? Hopefully, fingers crossed, Traquan Smith's healthy. And if Traquan Smith can play, obviously that gives you an experienced guy that knows what he can do on Sundays. That will help. But the wide receiver corps for me, I'm still seeing a lot of contested catches. And that's not the quarterback's fault. That means the receivers aren't creating separation. So that has been the main concern for me. And it continues to be the main worry because I'm not seeing much separation outside of guys like Marquez Callaway. Marquez Callaway is doing his thing, but outside of number one, you are not seeing enough receivers create separation. And that's why you guys saw me tweet about a thousand times yesterday. Every time little Jordan Humphrey made a catch, I said, good contested catch. A lot of it's contested because he's not creating separation. So that is a concern for me. When you have a quarterback, either Jameis or Taysom, you want to help them out. You want to scheme guys open. You can't scheme guys open if they're not creating separation. It's going to be really tough for the Saints, and that's going to be a tall task for Sean Payton. So I want to see what happens there. Another concern, and it's not really a concern like we didn't, you know, went south yesterday, but it's a concern that we didn't see it. Brett Maher, your new kicker, who is replacing Will Lutz, who's injured right now. Yes, two for two on extra points. That's all great, and that's all gravy. But he did not get to attempt a field goal, and that is something that you wanted to see. I know you're not going to scheme a game around attempting field goals, but I would have loved to see in that two-minute draw at the end of the game had Ian Book not thrown a pick. I would have loved to see what happens if Brett Maher was kicking a high-pressure preseason field goal. How does he do in that environment? That would really help the Saints kind of get a feel for where he is because, remember, he's going to be have to kick it for a while. A core muscle injury for Will Lutz is pretty, pretty interesting, and I am not sure where that's going to go from here. So Brett Maher, I hope he gets a couple of chances to kick a couple of field goals against the Jaguars next week because he didn't have a chance against the Ravens. And that continues to leave a concern as to can that work? Will that work? So I definitely want to see what happens there. So you put up Kimmy Amit Prince eight, eight wasn't beating. He was getting beat by a four string wide receiver. I'm happy you mentioned that. So I want to get into my final thoughts. And one of my final thoughts was the cornerback position. It is still a question mark, but I think we got a clear answer as to who is and who isn't going to have a chance to be cornerback two? I think for cornerback two, I think it's a two-man race if you don't sign anyone else. And I think two-man race is very clear. It's either Paulson Adebo or it's Ken Crawley. Because to your point, Prince of Mukamara at this stage of his career, obviously has had a nice long career in the NFL. He's not it anymore. It's just not a guy who can do that. So I really want to see what happens with Paulson and with Ken Crawley. I know obviously a lot of people are going to lean towards Paulson because we kind of know the Ken Crawley story. But I thought both guys have obviously had really good camps and both players played well enough. I thought Paulson looked better last night, but we still have to see what goes from there. So I think final thoughts for the cornerback position. I thought we got a little bit more clarity. There's still question marks. Don't get me wrong, folks. But we did get a little bit more clarity as to who is and who isn't. And that really is going to go a long way for the Saints. Another thing I want to talk about, the turnovers I alluded to before, that can happen. But I wonder if it's a learning lesson and the Saints kind of got it out of the way now where, man, the fumbles, that can't happen. The interceptions, look, they're still bad. But the Saints are going to have interceptions this year. Whether it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, we're going to have to live with that. You're not going to play as efficient as you would with Drew Brees under center because, obviously, it was Drew freaking Brees, and now you're going to Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. But the fumbles, that is something you can get better at. The Saints are one of the better teams in the league at not fumbling the football. Last night was an anomaly in terms of what they're used to doing. They usually don't call for the football. Last night, they were coughing up a storm. So I'm wondering if... 
this could be the chance for the Saints to kind of get it out of their system. I know Sean Payton ripped them last night about them, and rightfully so, that they got to take better care of the football. But if you're going to have a six-turnover game, better be the preseason opener, and it better not happen again because you're not going to win a football game when you have six six turnovers. That's just insane to me that they even had a chance to win the game at the end, albeit it's a preseason, but man, six turnovers is a lot. And obviously I talked about it before, but depth at linebacker, what the hell is going on? I mean, we are used to as Saints fans, not having a lot of linebackers. If you get one, that's a blessing. Now you're looking at one of the most talented linebacker rooms in the NFL, not in the NFC South, not in the NFC, in the NFL. You have Demario Davis, you got Quan Alexander, you got Pete Warner, you got Hanson, you got Caden Ellis. Obviously, we saw Zach Bond, who I thought was the player of the game. You, you also have Dowell, too, who's making a lot of plays on special teams. This Saints team, I'm just looking across the board, and it's a linebacker after linebacker after linebacker, and these are athletic linebackers. This Saints team, we're talking about where they used to play, James Laurinaitis or Curtis Lofton, or even Alex Anzalone, who wasn't playing great towards the end of his career. That was the problem, or A.J. Klein. There was never super athletic linebackers. Now the Saints got five to six of them. They're going to have a tough decision to make as to who stays, who goes. But this linebacker room, my gosh, they, we talked about it in the training camp and said they are turning the corner. They proved it last night because they did a lot of damage without Demario Davis, Pete Werner, and Quan Alexander. So when you can do that without the three best ones, I'm impressed. I really like what we saw from the linebacker room. And my last thing, going back to the quarterback, it is way too early to say who the quarterback is. And I want to throw this out here because a lot of people actually hit me up on Twitter and asked if it was real. There was, and I, I stress quote report, that the Saints already named their starter. Everyone who you should trust has said the Saints have not named a starter. And I am telling you, at least to today, the Saints have not named a starter. So if you see a report that says the Saints named a starter and Taysom Hill was named that starter, that is not accurate. Taysom Hill might be named a starter, but Taysom Hill still has to win the job. The job has not been won. The Saints have kept it tight. The Saints have kept it so tight, in fact, a media member, if you want to request media access for Taysom Hill or request James, uh, access for James Winston, you can't have one. You get both. That's how tight the race is. Sean Payton's been sending a message about how tight this race is. So if you see a report that says Taysom Hill's been named the starter, it's too early. We're probably not going to get that report until 15, 16 days from now. And we'll see who's named the starter then, but it's way too early. I know a lot of people are concerned. And they hit me up on Twitter in the DMs about, hey, is this report real? I'm not here to knock anyone's grind, but that report, in my opinion, is just not true right now. And we have to wait and see how the final two preseason games go. And funny enough, to say that it's Taysom Hill after I thought Jameis actually looked a little bit better yesterday, it just kind of goes to show that the report is a little bit off. But anyway, guys, it was a preseason game with a lot of defense and a lot of turnovers. But I walked away actually cautiously optimistic, and obviously that can change depending on how the second preseason game goes next Monday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I was really intrigued, especially by the linebacking corps and also by the defensive line. I thought there were some really good flashes from all those fronts on the defense. So I'm really intrigued to see what goes from there. If you guys have any, any concerns, just drop them in later, and I'll tweet back at you. Obviously, I've been very active over the last couple of days. So if you have any questions about the Saints, feel free to hit me up and I'll always get back to you. But that's going to do it for this particular episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I appreciate everyone who tuned in and dropped their questions. I'll be back with another episode later this week. And then obviously after the second preseason game, we'll have another recap to talk about what the hell we just saw. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's the Saints' first win, albeit preseason, of the 2021 season. But that's going to do it, guys. I want to thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll be back with more football later this week. 
on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.